You're listening to The Art Department on the Master of One Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Art Department. I'm Andrew Sale and I am so glad that you're here with me today. This episode is fun because we get to talk with our good friend Andrew Kolb. Andrew is a longtime friend of the show. In fact, he's been around so long we consider him podcast family. We got the opportunity to sit down a couple of weeks ago and play a game that he has been developing for the last little bit. And this episode is talking all about what went into that. It's a role-playing game. If you haven't listened to those episodes, make sure you go back and listen. It's our adventures in Neverland. And uh, Andrew had everything thing to do with it from the crafting of the story all the way down to illustrating and typesetting the book so um, man without any further ado I can't wait for you to hear his story about how this came to fruition ladies and gentlemen Andrew Kolb So it's been a little bit since we've talked, uh, Andrew, for the purposes of uh, the show, as far as the show is concerned. I think the last time we chatted, it was in reference to um, Calculated Comics with Kolb, which um, we have gotten some uh, some feedback that, that maybe uh, the, the people are crying for, for more of that. So maybe in the not-too-distant future, maybe we will... Uh, we'll, uh, initiate volume two of calculated comics with Cole, but um you and i have had a chance to hang out a little bit in recent past and so i thought you know what what better way uh to to re-engage you is to talk about the project that we got to be a part of um this this past month um and uh, so before we jump into what that project is i want to get a quick uh, update from you and so our people can know um what's been going on with you you've had a few projects come out in recent past so uh, what what uh What's been going on? Oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember what we would have covered when we last recorded. Uh, so, the, I mean, like the Spider-Man book has come out for yep. uh, for Far From Home. So that's still available. Uh, and because it's not really intensely uh, linked to the movie, it can still, I think it's can still be enjoyed now that yeah. the movie has come and gone. Yeah. Um, I've had a third all aboard book come, uh, come out. Uh, that's all aboard the airport train, uh, which is like an early readers or even like a pre readers, more of like a learning shapes and colors, a cardboard uh, book, series. like a proper yeah. cardboard book. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Which it, it, like extends out into four, a four foot long train that you lift the flaps to look inside the, the train cars. Uh, so that's books that have come out. Um, I recently did the illustration for the Banjo Kazooie soundtrack on vinyl uh, for release, uh, yes. which is uh, which is now with uh, available on FanGamer's website uh, or FanGamer.com. I like don't work for them outside sure. of like commissioned work, but yeah. it's, this is becoming a real ad. Anyway, so I did, did that. you did you play Banjo and Kazooie growing up? 
so yeah, I really played the first one, uh, and I think I rented the second one enough okay. that I got pretty far, but never finished okay. it. So yeah. I was a Crash Bandicoot guy. So for me, oh, yeah, okay. I remember it being like there were kind of two splits in in the road. Uh, one was a Nintendo sixty four which meant you were Banjo and Kazooie or you were PlayStation and you were playing Crash Bandicoot. I never had an N64. My friends did, but I was always a Crash Bandicoot. But I can't see Banjo and Kazooie without thinking about Uh, my childhood playing (laughs) Crash Bandicoot. That for me is one system earlier because uh, I had a Sega Genesis when most of my friends had a Super Nintendo. um, And I... Like, I don't know, being so young when those systems came out, I don't think I knew enough about kind of the sorts of games I liked or anything like that. Uh, but I loved going over to my friends and playing uh, like the Super Mario All-Stars where it had yes. all of the early original Nintendo Mario games. Um, so that was the envy that I had. So then went <laughs> to Nintendo 64 once I had saved enough money uh, to buy the next generation console and then just lived the dream. GoldenEye, uh-huh. there was, I mean, Super Mario 64, it was, it was great too anyway that's yeah that you was Mario and Kart. Banjo yeah oh yeah 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 uh those were party staples um so yeah banjo kazooie was all a part of that as well was it fun to to work on that project to do the uh the album yeah it was great because they were really open to uh basically not whatever i wanted there's obviously still some direction uh but i basically went and going okay like the characters and the kind of energy of the game really would lend itself to kind of like what I like to do, which is uh, kind of like riffing on mid-century design. So I kind of pitched this idea of like, let's kind of approach it like you would like a, like a fifties kind of children's record with kind of like the big bright visuals and that. Um, And they were on board. Uh, So that's always fun uh, when you get to kind of, really enact your vision uh so yeah they've been great to work with awesome okay so you had you had your your banjo and kazooie fix um yeah and then what has I, I feel like have you done something with mondo recently besides the pins uh no i would say the pins are the okay. big the big ones lately yeah okay um i'm just trying to think i just updated my website what else did i add uh oh well so last fall i did a drawing challenge where i illustrated a bunch of um like like storefronts for a fictional town called Booberg. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like Halloween themes, but kind of Halloween light. Um, and I finally, because this was my first foray into making books myself, like literally just like finding a printer and getting mm-hmm. them done myself. Um, so I've I've updated that, and that's now collected into a like a hardcover book. Um, so I, that I also added to my website. That's new, and also still available in the shop. And how did that process, how did that process go for you? Like, um, uh, did you find your experience in publishing, even though it has been kind of through like a third party, did did you find that it was helpful in the process of picking out your own stuff? Uh, yeah, because I think I knew a bit more about what to look for with paper and things like that. Um, but like, I, because my background is in, I think what it was, was my background is in design. So I, like I had all of that, but in the years of mostly focusing on illustration, haven't really kind of like worked those muscles for a long time. Uh, so now going into this again, I was like, oh, right, this is how I need to set up the file. This is how to package it all for them. Um, so the pre-production was like a, a real throwback, um, so I think having kind of more of that training in history uh, was 
as beneficial as kind of just like making books professionally. But it was actually great. I yeah. really thought I was going to have to do something online, like on demand. Um, but I found a local printer, uh, which saved a lot on shipping. And uh, it was like nice to be able to go in and make changes before we went to the final book, simply because I could physically see the stuff as they were working on it. So uh, very cool experience. That I mean, that's always that always is the win, right? If you can actively see stuff in an easy way, tangible, because you're producing yeah. something that's tangible. Um, when we create things that are solely living inside the computer, the idea of getting something raw and real is kind of crucial, especially if, yeah. you're, if you're producing some sort of product. Um, so when you were doing that, you're still, correct me if I'm wrong, you're still full-time freelance, right? You, yep. you are now, how, how deep are you into that? Like, like Oh, I, th- I think it'll, yeah, I think it'll probably be about two full years come May okay. or like end of April. Okay. Yeah. So, and how is everything going there? How's, how is the, how is the home front on, on freelance town? Still, <laughs> still great. Like I, no complaints. I mean, I, uh, haven't had a lot of like major life changes that have rocked the boat like financially. So yeah. that's been good. And I would also say I am lucky or fortunate that I can continue to kind of like generate my own income when client stuff goes quiet or like, especially like right after, like right at the start of the new year, things tend to get quiet. So, um, making my own projects or even just kind of doing personal prints that I can release, uh, is a, is a nice way to kind of keep myself busy. Even if I only sell two or three, I don't mind. It's still a bit of money and someone else is getting something. So, uh, I find that's a good balance of personal projects and client work work. That's great. So, so you're actively seeking out the client work or are people seeing your work and reaching out to you? Like what's your, what's your main, um, your main way of getting new clients? I would say it's a bit of both. And I would also say doing personal work doubles as like low, low, uh, friction advertising as well. Like I, whenever I'm posting personal work, I would, I tend to get projects based on my personal work more than my other client work, Interesting, uh, which I understand because I don't think clients want their work to look like other clients, which is fine. Sure, um, sure. but I think doing that personal work tends to be a good way to generate client work as well. So, uh, yeah, it's just a tangled web. It really That's feels it like you've leaned in and, and not, um, like over the years, you definitely have a, a discernible style, at least from my from my vantage point. But it really feels like in the last two years or so, you've really leaned into that. And it seems like you're just kind of enhancing this uh, what you would maybe call like a, a simplified, like 2D, like flat illustration. But you've yep. the, the, like what you've been adding to it seems like you're just fine tuning and tweaking that a little bit more. And it seems to be getting more and more elaborate (laughs) maybe that's the is that intentional uh well i would say i i tend to gravitate towards a certain a certain way of executing stuff but i always try to explore something new uh like so i before we started this i was showing you the some of the artwork for the project we're about to talk about yeah uh and i'll talk about how that differed or differs from most of my other work in Mm -hmm. a in a couple of ways um but I would say while I tend to kind of, while I think my scope is narrowing, I do like to explore, like you're saying, a, a couple of different things within that. And I think it's in doing those little explorations that keeps me engaged and also 
lets someone or hopefully a client would see something and go, Oh, that's new. Or that's the, like that, that's the part of his work that we can use for our fill in the blank, whatever it is. Or like he's done these books. We'll do this to make this book still like we can still work with him, but a little different. So, uh, yeah. I, is that intentional? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's just kind of my natural process and it's now complementing what I do for work. Sure trying to keep it fun for yourself and trying to keep yourself, uh, on top of it. And that makes total sense. Um, so you're doing your own projects now you're working on, Mm -hmm. like you said, you're, you're doing some of your own stuff. Um, you with, with Boosberg, Boosberg, Booberg, Booberg. That's right. Booberg. <laughs> like Boosberg doesn't sound right. That's the, that's like, the, no, it's like the a, alcoholic. Yeah. Boosberg. This is a, a fairly all ages town. There is a pub, but it's, uh, it's licensed and yeah. uh-huh. so yeah. it's Booberg. Yep. Exactly. Root beer. Um, yeah. so, uh, as you were doing that, you, you opted not to do what so many other people are doing, um, which is doing like a Kickstarter. Uh, why, uh, why, why the decision to just go after it, um, on, on your own without trying to do something like a Kickstarter? Great question. I have no idea. Like, I think the short answer is I just, not that I hadn't considered it. I think what it is, is, well, part of it is that I also sometimes table at like local events. So I figured if I sell, even if I just sell a few online, I will probably sell some in real life that I will like break even. And that's all I kind of really need. It was also a small enough amount that, um, that I did, I, I didn't really, it, like, it wasn't, it wasn't a big, um, fiscal risk. I don't like. Sure. I, basically what I'm saying is like, it didn't, it didn't cost so much that I couldn't justify just like paying it for or paying for it myself and then just selling it after, yeah. um, or like paying for stuff up front. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't like, to be honest, I think that's maybe just something I hadn't considered. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I think just knowing, knowing how Kickstarter works, uh, from the consumer side of it. Right. And we've talked to enough other, uh, talked to enough other guests who have leaned into it pretty heavily and have been very successful with it. Um, your work would it is kind of the way that you approach the, the design element and the illustration uh, element and even uh, even just seeing some of these pieces from the new project that we're going to talk about, um, your, the way you lay out structure things, um, I think you would be primed for Kickstarter. And what you might find is even if you don't need to lean on Kickstarter for the funds to get a small project going, you might find that you put out a goal of $5,000 or something and you exceed that in spades um (laughs) and you might find that it is a really really um a really uh what's the word i'm looking for uh lucrative way of getting your work out there and it's not much harder on you than what you're currently doing um and you might i don't know it might be something that especially if you're doing books that are 15 20 that's a really low barrier of entry and if you already have all of like the the uh production stuff set up and ready to go you can you can deliver in a really timely manner that makes for really really happy kickstarter backers um and so you could get into this especially if you have an idea of of producing more and more content like this as you go maybe something to think about 
Yeah, um, no, that's great. I think what we're hearing right or what the listeners are hearing right now is like just my gear, the mental gears spinning. I'm like, <laughs> is this viable? I think it could be. I think so uh, going forward. Absolutely. I think probably what I was subconsciously thinking or hadn't really considered leading up till now was I think I just can't imagine having like a basement full of, well i don't have a basement but like a room full of boxes of books going oh now i need to ship all these like i think yeah. i think i would need to do a lot of research into the uh like into the after yeah like so now i've 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 met my goal what happens after yeah how does the fulfillment look um well we so. can totally we can hook you up with with some people <laughs> who know know exactly what that's like yeah because, uh, that would be great we have people yeah. who, who have made tons and tons of money like because i'm assuming like keymaster games would be it's keymaster right yeah. so i'm assuming have they they've done some kickstarters for their uh, yeah they've done several kickstarters and they've all right. been incredibly successful uh, so i so. think yeah yeah lots of friends of the pod who i think could help okay absolutely yeah. that's, a, that's just, another episode i just had somebody on uh i had a, a duo on a couple of weeks ago on the art department who is actively kickstarting a book right now and they have kickstarted a book before so especially like an illustrated children's book so oh, there yeah. is there is some precedent set for that as well and i can i can hook you up with them and, and connect you guys um but anyway that's enough about all of that stuff i love the work that you've been sure. doing obviously i've loved it since day one you in fact uh we were talking the other day uh yours is the very first mondo print i ever purchased oh, now right. however many deep i am at this point i mean dozens and dozens if not b- breaching a hundred uh mondo prints at this point yours was the very first one it was the uh the jellystone national park one um right. and uh it, i love it it's still it's still in a frame today not everything <laughs> i own makes it to a frame and not everything that makes it to a frame stays in a frame because i have to swap stuff that right. one does that one is still oh, actively great. in a frame so congratulations my friend um, I'm honored. so the work that you do uh we've talked about that we've talked about the, some of the publishing stuff you've done we talked about some of the illustration work that you've done this new project is kind of this mashup oh and we've talked at length before about how you love um the the role-playing world and dungeons right. and dragons specifically well you are um right just right on the cusp of of entering that world in a big big way mm-hmm. um why don't you tell everybody about your new project yeah so i mean, i think the one thing i forgot to check with you is what is the timing or order of this will this come out before the other stuff that we've recorded okay so uh so well, well i think the one's gonna re- i think we're gonna release that one in two episodes and what i'd like to do is release that like the first episode then this one and then the second one and kind of mash them in between. That's the idea. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so as far as this project, obviously listeners or some could have, uh, but may very well have likely already heard some of it. Um, it is a fantasy role-playing setting uh, set in the world of Neverland. Um, so it's like tentatively now titled Neverland, the role-playing setting. Um, and it should be coming out later this year. Uh, it's being published with, uh, Andrews McMeal publishing. Um, 
And yeah, it's, so it's a full, it's a full resource book for people to run. I mean, we've run, like we were running it with, uh, Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition, but, um, it's kind of system agnostic. So if you use Pathfinder or something else, there's enough there that I think you could tweak or just like mold it to what you need. Uh, but yeah, so it's a, it's a location, it's a, it's a map, it's a hundred ish monsters and characters to kind of put into the setting or populate your world with uh and it's yeah it's just it's so it's so totally different i i feel about this or i currently feel the same way i did before my first picture book came out uh because it was so new into a world that i'd never explored before uh and am now just like what's gonna happen who knows uh but yeah it's it's been a lot of fun and when you say that that it's an all-inclusive kind of story i got the opportunity to play some of it and then i got to see some of the back end of it just a few minutes ago um and seeing some of what the book actually has to offer and it is quite exhaustive like there's a lot to it. There's a lot of meat on those bones, um, for anybody who's going to be, be the dungeon master or the game master or whatever, they're going to be able to jump in on this. And you were giving some examples of, uh, even down to like the, the language that you have in there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what it was like kind of getting in the mindset of somebody who needs to know, uh, somebody who doesn't necessarily know anything about this story and making sure they have everything they need to tell a story through this. Right. So I think it was a combination of, well, I think the the, the biggest drive in shaping this has been mostly running games for new players um, and like people who are new to kind of like the tabletop role playing world. Um, so new players kind of seeing one, what they expect and two, uh, kind of like what they need uh, and what you as someone running a game for new players needs kind of on the fly. Um, so a lot of the language assumes that you've probably played a role-playing game before. Um, but beyond that, it's very... I think I've, I've tried to write it with the assumption that this may be the first time you run an adventure um, and then also kind of compared it to how other published games approach that and what I would do differently. Basically, it's just like, oh, if I had the chance to to do something that went to other dungeon masters or game masters, what would I give them? Uh, And this is essentially it. Like, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's broken up into kind of here's how you'd run the world. Here's a bunch of characters and their, their stats. Here are a bunch of maps if you need them and, and how to run a game on this island. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a huge learning curve, uh, and we're still kind of in the editing and fine tuning process. So I'm sure three months from now, when we talk again about this, I'll be like, Oh, I had no idea what I was doing, but right now I'm feeling like, Oh, I like, I, I think I, I killed had, this. had a good start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just blind confidence. I, and that's the best kind of confidence. <laughs> um, when, uh, when I, no, but looking at it, I think, I think there's a little bit more than blind. It's maybe a blindfold, but where like you've, you're kind of peeking be- beneath the blindfold okay, a little bit because yeah. um, seeing it, it is very comprehensive. It is very, um, not just in way of information, although there is quite a bit of information but even mm-hmm. in way of uh, illustration like the way that you've illustrated this book is uh, it helps paint a picture of this world and if you are a fan of 
of of Andrew's work like I am talking to the audience now, um, you will absolutely love this setting because it is everything about uh, everything that makes Andrew's work, I think, uh, unique and special in that it is that. But you get to actually engage in it because you're actually interacting and you become immersed in this story. And it felt even though some of the stuff that we were going through in the storyline, um, like I was able to pick out like, oh, I know what that is. Oh, I have an idea of what that is because I have right. an idea of Neverland. I was picturing it through the lens of. I don't know the, the Colbyan aesthetic, if that's a thing. We've, we're, we'll <laughs> okay. we'll uh, we'll kind of ping that word now, and yeah. uh, we'll coin it now. But to think about things like, um, oh, we're in- interacting with this character or with this kind of thing. How would Andrew? How would Andrew depict that in an <laughs> illustration? That's what was going through my mind, and I was super excited about it because I was very, very. I'm obviously a big fan of your work, um, and so to think about the fact that I'm kind of part of it and helping tell the story uh, was was absolutely just super fun. Now, did the project get pitched to you, or did you come up with this like yourself? Like, how did this whole thing come about? No, so I pitched it. So actually, when we were talking about kind of personal work, part of that is also like writing stories or something like this where I'm uh, generating or like writing stuff to pitch to publishers. Um, So this would have been like a game that I would have just run for my friends and family had it not gotten picked up, which would have been fine too. But um, part of the, the kind of personal projects uh, was developing this enough that I could pitch it. So, um, through the same, uh, through my agent who also helps me with my picture books, uh, she admittedly, she's like, I don't know anything about this world, but I know enough people that are like publishing games that I will like show them. And do you know what? Maybe they'll say it's a good idea, but like she, she was very upfront to say, yeah, this is not my strength. Like this is not what I tend to do. Um, but, uh, yeah. So after kind of pitching it, then we, then we found a publisher and then, uh, it was just a case of fine tuning what they need out of a book to make it enough. Like I, I had really envisioned it being small and fairly, uh, kind of almost like notebook size or like the size of a, like of a, like a chapter book, like based on the kind of Peter Pan and Neverland books. Um, but we, uh, through kind of like talking back and forth also then decided a larger format would be better for practical purposes and just like shelf presence, uh, to be completely honest. So a lot of, a lot of things that I don't, I think about or, uh, respect that they are bringing another perspective into it um but that was that was a big part of it and have Um, they published other game books like this yeah i think i think the publisher is expanding more like i think they're expanding more into games like i think i also uh was really lucky and and just fortunate that it kind of came at a time when they were actively just like looking for games yeah um but uh yeah they've they've produced a, a couple of other kind of like independent systems and settings. So yeah, this was, this was right up their alley for what they were looking for. Okay. So, um, when you're jumping into this project, you have, you have some experience, you only, you've only been in the world of dungeons and dragons. I think like, I think we were talking with you when you kind of first got right. into it. So we've, we've yep. been, we've been with you for this whole process. A lot of people get into something and that means they play a game a lot and that's cool. And maybe they buy a t-shirt or they go to a con. It mean for you, it means getting fully engaged in it and <laughs> becoming part of the system. So good, good on yeah. you. Um, but I'm guessing you, there was a lot of, 
either perusing or book purchasing uh, because you've been DMing your own homebrew stuff for a little while now. Yeah. Um, so like what what kind of research went into knowing what what was appropriate or what was essential or what would be nice? Like what what all went into that? Like what was that process? And it's tricky because as much as and like with any research, I think I wanted to be careful of understanding kind of what's come before, but also not just replicating it. So I didn't want to just kind of copy what had already been done. Um, so it really was lots of uh, consumption of uh, or lots of consuming of different types of games, too. Like while I tend to play uh, Dungeons and Dragons the most i also was reading books that aren't specific to a system or for other systems so that way i could see uh just like how the world works outside of kind of the bubble that i was mostly spending time in um so that was a large part of it and then i mean once you start researching something then you're seeing it all the time so we'd go to like a board game cafe and i'd really be paying attention to what the mechanics were while we were playing the game and not really, not that I wasn't playing the game, but now just kind of looking at it a different way in the same way that when I open up a picture book now, I look at different things uh, than I did probably when I was in my early twenties and hadn't thought about making books. Um, So that was, yeah, that that was a big part of the process is, is reading lots of other books. Um, Actually like, so at the end of the book, I, (laughs) I do two things. One, there's a thanks that explains, you know, I admit that I've only kind of been in this world for a number, a handful of years. Yeah. Um, But I also list a number of resources, which I think is like kind of tradition in role-playing game books of just like, here are other things to inspire you. Yeah. Um, And I also mention a couple of other uh, books that I would, I would recommend exploring, um, to kind of get into the vibe of, of this game and also to kind of go beyond what I've done. So, so yeah. What, what yeah. was the main difference for you in writing a story and a narrative that is linear in the sense that you have total control over it because you're telling the story from beginning to end with no interruption versus a story that is a narrative and it has plot points, but you have to be, it has to be available to be interacted with and you have to be okay with people making decisions that might not go and you know, coincide with what your thoughts would be as the narrator. Like what was that? How do you delineate those two different ideas? Uh, so maybe this is a, a little peek behind the like D and D or like the, the game master curtain or game master screen um, is this book is designed to complement how I run a game, which is, and others do this as well, where it's not so much, this is the, this is the plot that the characters need to run along and they can kind of veer off. It's more of a, so I guess to use the the terms, like it's less railroading and more of a sandbox. So the Island is uh, like an ecosystem that there are all these different characters with their own goals and their own relationships that basically like, when the adventuring party comes into it, they interact how how they would naturally interact. So if you uh, insult uh, one group, then that might actually endear you to another group, and then that just naturally comes from what the characters do. Uh, so writing this book was less about writing a plot that characters could interact with and more about just like world building in a way that there's enough opportunity for conflict that... If you made friends with one group, 
it wasn't going to make it any easier or harder for you than if you made friends with another group. Or like if you, if you destroyed this temple, then these people will be happy. These people will be sad. Like it's, it's just making kind of like a, a a network of relationships, both with like human or living characters and just like the Island. Like if you topple, if you set off a volcano, how is that going to affect the rest of the Island type thing? Um, So I don't, I don't even know if that answers it. No, Essentially, it, does. it It makes this me realize a... how crazy difficult this would be. It lets me know that I am not the right person for it. I will let people who are smarter and more creative take care of that kind of stuff. Because for me, I look at that and think that is, I have a hard enough time telling a single story all the way through, much less having to figure out a world's worth of stories, or in this case, an island's worth of stories. Right. Um, and then allow other people to interact with that um that just seems like it's a lot of work how how much time did this whole process take you uh it's it was a little under a year um i i had a lot written before i'd pitched it so actually it probably was over or has been over a year um and there will still be more editing and changes that continue on so it'll be probably a year and a half um but the the yeah, the whole, the whole process, it was kind of also working on different parts. Like if I got really stuck on writing, uh, kind of character relationships, I would just do stat blocks for monsters. And then it was just like a nice mundane way to decide how much damage does this thing do? And it's just a little thing that I can solve, um, and then move on. But, uh, Oh, so sorry to your point about like not being able to craft a world to work with one. That's where this book comes in. Like, I think if you had the book, you could absolutely run an adventure where you just, where you respond to what the characters do. Um, but two, I also find it's way easier that way. Like, I think if I try to remember, Oh, the, the villain needs to do this, at this point uh otherwise they won't know to go collect this item like that stuff i can't keep track of and i'm not very good at running games like that more what i end up having is you know there isn't necessarily a single big bad villain because it just depends on who you offend or what you as characters decide are bad or good like there's there's kind of shades of gray with everyone on the island and because of that uh you it just depends. You could be allying yourself with uh, pirates for half the game and decide, oh, we're the baddies, and then realize, oh, maybe like we did the right thing, and then everything changes. Sure. So it's uh, yeah. So you've mentioned villains, you mentioned monsters, you mentioned creatures. How many individual, uh, or maybe not individual in terms of like number, but in terms of how many different species, monsters, creatures, or whatever, did you have to create for this story? Oh, so I know total there's a hundred, a hundred and two or a hundred and three. And like, I'm lumping like all the pirates together. Um, now like Captain Hook is separate from the pirates because he functions a little differently, but like the lost boys all lumped together. Um, but yeah, it's individuals, but it's more, it's more like groups or species or whatever. Right. Right. Now there are some like absolutely individual characters. Like Wendy is her own character and like, like Smee or Shmi is, uh, a different character from the pirates, like stuff like that. Um, but I think it's about half human or like, intelligent creatures and about half like monsters that just kind of want to like consume or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. um yeah 
And then, so you've, you've illustrated each one of those as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And maps, uh, yeah. we got the opportunity when we were playing to see kind of the big map and not even the whole thing, but some of it was as we explored parts of the Island, parts of it were, were, um, uh, like revealed, revealed yeah. to us. Yeah. Um, and so we got to explore bit, bits and pieces, but you have, you have drilled down like we were looking at the 30,000 foot view and then there's like the 10,000 and then it looks like maybe even down to like the in-room view of certain things too, right? Right. So, so right. Everyone will have heard the first, I'm trying to remember what happened in the first episode and how we would have split it up. Anyway, exploring the island, there were like caves uh, or there's like different parts of the island that I've mapped out that have like specific, this is how it's yeah. laid out. Or like, obviously there's the pirate, like the, the Jolly Roger exists. Right. So I've like mapped out the Jolly Roger. Um but um, the like the big scale map that everyone kind of like explores each individual kind of part of it yeah. um, is I think the kind of core. And with that and the individual maps, there's probably about twenty or so maps, um, which is not my forte. Like I'm happy with how they all came out, um, but I also recognize at the at the table, I probably spend the least amount of time actually drawing the maps for our, like the players as we play. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, well, I found that you as a, as a, uh, as a DM, you're very good at helping paint the picture. You know, you're, you're really good at telling that story and narrating that story. You're a good DM. Um, (laughs) I've had some, I mean, I think I've only had good DMs thus far, but I could imagine, I don't know that I would be a great DM, although I think I, I think if I had a little bit more practice, I could get there. But I imagine mm. that uh, these these maps and these character illustrations that you have will help enhance that storytelling process. All in all, how many illustrations can people expect when they get this book? Oh, so the the cast of characters is the biggest uh, with about 100. Uh, oh, I had like a checklist, but I've now that it's done, I did uh, so 100 and then there's about 20. Uh, the map, I would say about 150 illustrations is probably safe. Now, some of them are like little icons just for like flavor and some of them yeah. are like relevant charts and so on. But uh, there's yeah, there's there's absolutely far more illustration than I was prepared for. Uh, like a picture book seems so easy now to have 32 pages compared to 170 of, of illustrations. I, I, it baffles me. Like I, I, I really appreciate other published uh, adventures that have so much illustration, yeah. but it's also, I think done by like a team. I was going to say, I think typically, <laughs> typically they're art directed by a, a group of people. Right. Uh, so, so that answers my question or it starts, it makes me ask the question, is there another one of these in your future? Can you see yourself doing one of these again for a uh, different yeah. scenario? Absolutely. I think, I think I, if I had the right idea, I would absolutely do this again. Uh, I have, uh, I've, I've been really happy with, uh, being able to use what I've done. Um, like with my picture books, I don't, I don't really read them frequently. Um, I don't know if that would upset the listeners to hear, but like, I love them and I'm, I'm proud of them all, but I, I like, I don't get to read them the same way. As, It'd be kind as of I, weird for you to be reading. Sure. Like, under, and I already know, know what's Edmund unravels every night before bed, like, uh, it's right. maybe a little narcissistic. Um, right. 
I mean, if you did is, it, I'd be fine with it too because you're you're super nice and Canadian. So I don't think you actually are allowed <laughs> to be narcissistic if you're Canadian. But well, I appreciate uh, <laughs> that. But this is this is a nice change to be able to go like, oh, this is not only something I've done, but also a pr- there's a practical use for you it. Like we will it. all look at this map together because you need to understand how the map works. Or yeah. once I have the book, it'll actually be a lot easier for me to like hold up either to the people around the table or to the webcam to say like, this is what it looks like because as much as I, I can describe it, uh, I do think the the illustrations are, are important for that. And yeah. also why actually, and we were talking about kind of like different styles are kind of going fairly focused. Um, I illustrated the characters with a little more realism than I normally would, um, which was like a real challenge for me, but also because I, I felt it was important to kind of, have enough detail to be able to communicate to someone sitting at a table what they could like envision in their mind. Um, it's all grayscale and it's all limited color. So there's like room for flexibility, but, uh, it, I would also say that there's a a variety of the kind of styles that I have in this book, or there's more flexibility in it than most of my other work, which is also a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So the, your idea going into it, slightly varying your, your, your style was with the intent of uh, with me in mind thinking like, okay, they need to be able to describe this. And I can't be that. I can't be so creative or abstract where I would normally, like I might normally communicate a nose this way. Um, but like I need them to be able to describe what's going on. And if they can't figure it out, then that's not going to be helpful. Right. Like that's the idea. Right. Um, And for setting tone too, because I find like my work tends to skew happy and younger and uh, just kind of pretty genial, um, which I love, but also recognize I, at some point characters are probably going to attack something or probably kill something that I don't want them to then say, this is what it looked like. And then just immediately feel guilty because they killed this lion. Um, like it, yeah. So I think the nature of the project changed the way I executed it a bit, which I was, I was happy to do. Yeah. Yeah, Which it for sure skews darker. Just the, I mean, it it feel, it feels a little bit more foreboding than your, your work typically would, but it, it does still carry with it. Um, some of the the same again colbian uh sensibilities and so uh for that i I appreciate it okay what's um what's one thing that you that you learned that you're going to do differently next time you do this oh one thing that i've learned that i'm going to do differently next time um what what i think i think the maps i think oh well so I, i i changed it for this book as I did it, but at the start I had planned on, on like having exact measurements and having like a true grid for all the maps that I did. Yeah. Um, but recognized pretty quickly that I'm like not great with spatial awareness or I could write a hundred feet, but that might be insane and not make sense. So I, I scrapped it halfway through. So, uh, admittedly none of my maps have like true measurements or they're not to scale um so i think next time i would do that right from the beginning uh just to save myself the grief okay um, but other than that everything else so, I that, so the again. the distance the, the the distance is relative to the dm is that the idea right yeah okay Absolutely. i think you even mentioned that in our, in our first episode with with us going through because i think i was asking how far away something was and you're like you know i'm not really great with distance down <laughs> like nope. 
how far can you throw? Yeah, let's say that's let's say that's far enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's where the interpretation, that's the beauty of of Dungeons and Dragons or any role playing right. platform is if the whole thing is is up to interpretation, the game is being run uh, by somebody who gets to help make up some of the some of the uh, the rules in the story as you go along. The ultimate goal is to have fun with it, right? I mean, that's the that's the goal. And so, yeah, um, and absolutely. for that. We, with that goal in mind, we definitely, we definitely won, um, playing that first scenario. Oh, great. Um, okay. So, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. I know this isn't going to be out immediately for people to go purchase. Um, but tell people where they can find you so they can watch and see what, uh, like as the, uh, as information about this rolls out, how they can, can stay up to date. Oh, sure. Because I, I haven't really posted anything about it yet because it's still just been, I've just been heads down getting yeah. everything done. Um, so I will now s- slowly be posting monster illustrations and kind of tone pieces and stuff like that. Um, and that'll be on like Twitter and Instagram and all that, uh, which I am Kolb is neat, uh, on, on social media. Um, and I think if you just search Andrew Kolb, I'll probably be one of the few that pop up. Um, so that's the best place. And then my website is colebisney.com, which then branches out to all of those various social platforms. Awesome. I love it. And, uh, I know that, uh, this might be up in the air given the current, uh, health. Oh, I didn't tell you it got, it got canceled. Okay. All right. I was going to ask, I know you had plans to do it. Is that, is it being postponed or is it like canceled indefinitely? Oh, like, sorry. The- yeah. Postponed for the, for the year. What we're talking about is I, I had planned on doing a, uh, an artist residency in South Korea. Um, but due to the kind of current, uh, I don't know if we're calling it. A, is it a pandemic yet? I'm I'm pretty up to date on it, but I don't know about the yeah, terminology. I think I think we're just supposed to refer to it as the issue at hand. Sure. <laughs> so uh, so because of the kind of concentration of the virus outbreak in South Korea, uh, it's like schools are not really ready to accept international travelers sure. to teach illustration or to like help with events. Yeah. Um, so I think I I think that's happening next year. Next year. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. I, I'm excited to talk more about that i kind of assumed that was the case so i didn't yeah, want to yeah, focus yeah. on it too much in this episode no, um, but okay. as that cir- as that cycles back around um we obviously want to hear more about that and see what you're going to be doing with that but we'll hold Absolutely. off on that for maybe uh, another year or so a calendar um, year you got it it's uh i'm so thrilled with with the time that we had patrick had never done one of these before and lauren right. um had only done it like a long time ago um, yeah i think in high school she mentioned they they both had a blast so i hope you come back and uh walk us through another scenario we're not yep. done with neverland we don't want we don't want to leave yet uh we don't want to grow up uh so uh i can't wait for this to be in people's hands i, I it, once people see what i've seen or some of what i've seen um i think people are going to flip out and they're going to be super excited about it uh so uh man i i cannot tell you how happy we were with it and i i'm so happy for you proud of you i don't know <laughs> i don't know what to say it seems kind of like demeaning maybe but but i'm like no, 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 it's great. this is I really really it. cool this is a really really fun way of of applying your art and your love for something um and and you i mean you're making it you're making it happen man and so uh congratulations on all that Thank you. I, yeah, because I feel like you've really been side by like we you've been there watching the whole journey. Uh, so yeah, we're really like seeing baby Andrew go off to school for the D and D school or role playing school for they the first time. They grow up so fast. It's I crazy. know. Um, all right. Well, uh, I can't wait to uh, to see what comes next. But uh, until then, we will uh, we'll see you around.
Yeah, thanks for having me as always. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for stopping by. You can find show notes and links to all of this stuff over at mofone.network. While you're there, you can also hit up the archive and find hundreds of other episodes full of content from all over the place. Uh, Whether you're into design or toys or games or film or TV, there's something there for you. Uh, While you're at it, go to mofone.network slash slack and join the conversation. Or as always, go to mofone podcast on all the different social platforms and be a part of the conversation. But anyway, for now, we're going to call this one done. Until next time, peace out. <laughs>